0: Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting Throughout That's Throughout All Joe, where is that magnifying glass?
1: How are you doing today? This is Joe Guiana with 1530 Apologetics Throughout All Ages. We're here to look at worldviews, to test them, to actually lay them on a scale and use truth as our identifier of how they weigh out. Now, as we look at these worldviews, we want to look at history, science, archaeology, and philosophy against the reality that we live in and see if our worldview can stand up through scrutiny, through the laws of logic, the law of non-contradiction. And so that's what we do here with 1530 Apologetics. Today, our conversation, we're going to talk about deconstruction. It's something that's been uh, talked about more fluently as the years progress. It is a young word, deconstructionist, deconstructing your worldview and most of the time we're here we're going to be talking about the man or the woman who was once walking with the word of god walking with their god and then they turned from that and they turned against the very word of god or should i say they made up a god in their own imagination but let's talk about these deconstruction uh To me, I would use the same words we've always used throughout the millennia is heretical or heresies, right? You're either heretical or you're speaking heresies, or you're actually just falling away from the truth. You're falling away from the word of God. And this is why I can say that you become your own God, making your own rules and standards. And we'll see that. Because if you are not standing on a foundation of truth, if there is no certainty, then everything around you, of course, is like the atheist, is like the man just living for the day, wondering, does it really matter what I feel or what I believe? I just kind of just taking the steps forward, just like an animal would, and hope I can find some some kind of goodness some kind of beneficial uh, surplus for me by the time I reach my life. And so, this is what we're talking about here today. When we talk about deconstruction, it's applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting the aspects of the Christian faith, right? Right? the Protestant evangelical truths, the Orthodox of Scripture. You must know that deconstructing has been going on since the very early beginnings of Scripture. We read it in the Bible. We read about those who wanted to take Jesus and His word and what He said and make it something different. We hear of mysticism being in the Bible itself. We talk about the Gnostics who say, well, they have their own treasures. They have their own interpretation. There's a certain way to get to where we know how to get to, and you must come and follow our ways in order to get there. There were those who would come against Paul as the apostle, and they said, you are an apostle, and they came out against him. There were those who told John in the congregations who were Pastors of certain churches who said, We don't want you to come and fellowship at our church. We don't even want you to be a part of this church or come and fellowship with us. And you see, we find this happening as you go throughout Scripture. You know, it's, this is one of the things that Paul talks to the first Corinthians, the Corinth people, about. Because they were looking at the Scriptures and they were going, Well, hey, Um, we're full of love. We're supposed to love everybody. God is love. And here we have in our very congregation, the son is living with the father's wife, and they're having a relationship together. Now, the church was looking at that and going, well, hey, this must be normal. I mean, who are we to say anything? But no, we find Paul actually confronts them, confronts Corinth and says, what are you doing? I'm not even there, and I can tell you that it's wrong according to, not me, but according to scriptures, according to the word of God, according to what Jesus made known to us, according to the Holy Spirit. You see, deconstruction is only good if there's an arbitrator that's bigger than you and I. Why is that? Because if you're deconstructing, what are you deconstructing to? Are you deconstructing to absolutes? No. You're deconstructing to opinions. And this is why the certainty is not there. And there is no arbitrator. And then you're just living your life any way you want. And you're trying to build some type of truth on that. But as we see, even if you take any other God or any other eternal being, there's reasons why we choose the Christian God it's not just because we need something bigger than I. I, I. I would then go to Hinduism, to this pantheistic type of God that they believe in. But there's a reason why you can't do that. And we'll get to that as we talk. But I want to read a couple of verses to know that this is what we're talking about when we're talking about people that are falling away. Um, certain behaviors begin to happen. And you get into this slippery slope. Whereas you're weighing out truth, and that's what I say here, as you weigh out the truth, maybe you might not understand everything, but you're weighing out your truth from the Word of God compared to any other worldview, and you're seeing where the scale falls and where it lands. And as you see that the weight of the arguments, the justifiable answers, and as my weight, my scale is going farther and farther down and another worldview is coming up i wouldn't keep on standing on that worldview i I would jump on to the worldview that makes more sense at this point until i can find another worldview but just to jump off of all worldviews just to jump off everything and say i'm just gonna start walking We can do better than that with wisdom and knowledge that we got over the last, you know, thousands of years that we've lived as humans. We have people living before us that we can look at what they went through, what they, what it's been like for them. And we can hold this on a scale to see where we stand as we're deconstructing. Don't jump off all the way up in the air where you're not standing on nothing, but hold on to what is more justifiable until you can find a better answer. That that seems logical to me. I think we do that in every day's life. We don't just go out and buy any car. But we're looking for a car that it has a foundation. Something that's not going to break down. Something that's going to hold us. And so as we hear about these cars, on a scale, we're, we want to jump. Well, of course we want the car that looks, looks pretty that looks stylish, that looks nice, that's something that you could drive and look look good in. But ultimately, you think, hey, how long is this car going to last? And this is the foundation. And we do that with housing. We do that in our lives. And everything we do, we look at this scale. Am I going to put my money into these stocks? What are the odds? What does it look like when I put this stock and this stock on a scale? What is going to give me more for my dollar and you would jump onto that scale that's going to give you more. And I think we need to do that with worldviews. But guess what? 80-90% of most people don't do that. We don't sit there and th- think like that when it comes to worldviews. We just want to go where we want to go at this point. So let's talk about a couple of verses here. First, I want to talk about 1 Timothy four one, And I'm sure those who are deconstructing heard these verses... But these verses are the Word of God. These verses are true. It says, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressively, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits in doctrines of devils, that they will have itchy ears to hear what they want to hear. It goes on to say in Romans sixteen seventeen. Now I urge you, brethren, mark those who cause division and offenses contrary to what? Contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. And then we read in Philippians three seventeen, brethren. Join in following my example. Note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Those whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind... Unearthly things. Now, when I hear and talk to these deconstructionists, everything those verses said makes sense to me. I hear that coming from them. And so I want to talk about six or seven points of how we value the Word of God on a scale, right? A scale of truth. And the first one I want to look at is the Christ. The Christ. Why the Son of God? Well, this Jesus was needed for three essential reasons. One is personal. The other is that he would show he's real. And that the other one would show why he became personal with mankind. And so first I want to talk about personal. We need to establish this because everything around us that we live has personal relationships. Has a mind of somewhat. Nothing compared to the human mind. We know that. But it's personal. His creation, God's creation is personal. So this Jesus, he became personal. This logos, this word of God. This Jesus recognizing he came down to earth. That there would be no excuse for you to say you have never seen God. But that Jesus would say you've seen me You've seen the Father. This is that personal relationship. It tells us in John 1.9, The true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. And this word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's important, guys. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. Stay with us as we continue talking about
0: deconstruction. Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K Praise.
1: Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85% of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com.
0: Welcome back to Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona, on K-Praise.
1: Thank you for being a part of Throughout All Ages and being here on the second half as we talk about deconstruction and what that means and what I see in the Bible that really holds a stone, holds a weight against those who would try to deconstruct because the Bible has contradictions, that the Bible doesn't have enough truth, that the Bible doesn't have a foundation to lay your lives upon. That would be called the sufficiency of the scriptures. Because here he established that he wants to make himself known. He had did this in the Old Testament in a certain peculiar way. But now he wants to dwell among us. And I like that word dwell because it's a picture of a tabernacle. It's a picture of Israel taking this tabernacle that God told them to make And that wherever that tabernacle would move, you would move with it, knowing that you were fellowshipping with the tabernacle of God. And here Jesus says, I want to come and dwell among you. I want to come and tabernacle with you in fellowship and communion. You see, Jesus didn't just come from thin air one day. This was predicted. This was prophesied, future-telling, thousands of years before it even happened. That this Son of Man made himself known in the Old Testament. That this Son of Man, this Son of God, made himself known in the Old Testament. This is why, when the religious rulers of the day were talking to Jesus in John eight fifty six and 58, He says, Your father, Abraham... Rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and was glad. Well, then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's extraordinary. And the way that God wanted to work to reveal himself was through Revelation that slowly but surely God began to reveal himself of how he wanted to show us who he is and his nature and his attributes. And here Jesus is saying the very same thing in Exodus when Moses says, What shall I tell the people when they ask me who has sent me? That was God Jehovah, God Yahweh, That said to Moses, tell them that I am, that I am sent you, the existing one, the one who is all things. And here we find Jesus quoting the same verse. When we talk about Jesus, he was very personal in the history we can see with his friends, with the family and the people around, he stood before religious leaders, kings, governors, shepherds, doctors, tax collectors. He stood amongst them all because he wanted them. He wanted them to see that he was no doubt personal. And when talking about his miracles, Bart Ehrman says this. Whatever you think about the philosophical possibilities of miracles, it is clear that Jesus was widely reputed to have done them. And Jesus probably did have some pretty amazing encounters with people believed to be demon-possessed. His ability to cast out demons was seen as a characteristic of His ministry. On numerous layers of our tradition, Jesus is said to have healed those with various elements. It was the same Redeemer, that Christ, who said there is no other way to get through the Father but by Him. How intense is that? Is that here this whole world full of gods of all sorts... And now Jesus is laying a line on the ground, and He's saying, I am the only way to get to heaven. I am the only way to get to the Father, who laid this line on the sand that came out and said, there is no other way to get to heaven. Now many deconstructionists will at this point in their lives begin to find many ways to get to heaven. Many ways to get to God, many ways to say it's not even true. But yet, Jesus, if he's making these statements, yeah, he's like, like they say, he's either a liar or a lunatic, right? He can't be good if he's calling himself something that he's not. But Jesus made sure for us to know this one thing that this place here, this earth, was not his home. He was passing through to redeem the world to himself. That you and I would not get caught up in this life of debased men, of a debased creation. You see, this is where it begins, this slippery slope. It's to somehow hold on to this world as ours, as my world, that I have to gain something here in this world. But guess what? That wasn't Jesus' focus. It wasn't the focus of the Christian God. His focus was that we would be a pilgrim here, that we would walk through here, but that He would restore all things and that there would be no more a sickness, that God would restore all things once again, that there wouldn't be no more sin in the world, that we are just pilgrims passing through to not hold tightly. You're going through suffering. You're going through shame. You're going through a world of cultures that's coming harder and harder against you. And you begin to find delight in what they're saying. You begin to find a desire for what they're saying. Instead of putting it on a scale and saying, where does it go from here then? Where does it go from here if I go in any other world view but the monotheistic God? So Jesus was trying to tell them, I'm real. This is a slippery slope to begin to deconstruct. We heard that in the verses above. Second of all, that Jesus is real, the Son of God, the God-Man. And I like what it says in Isaiah forty-four-six. Thus says the Lord, that's Yahweh, Thus says the Lord, it's all capital L-O-R-D, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. So not only God the Father is called Lord, but we have the Redeemer, His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. And it goes on to say, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no God. What a truth claim. Well, guess what, guys? Jesus made the same claim in Revelation. He said... I am the first, and I am the last. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And so we begin to see this revelation take place of who God is saying He is. And so we have God the Father and God the Son. But there is no other God but Him, one God. And I want to tell you a little later on why that makes sense scientifically, philosophically, and in theology. We'll get to that a little later. The claim there is no other God. And as we look at all the religions of the world, they all fell in the requirements of being God. That whether you're talking about the henotheism, or polytheism, or pantheism, there are contradictions in what they're all saying. You see, henotheism is saying there's one main God, but then there's many other gods. And then you got Politheus. A polytheist says there are just many gods out there. Pantheus, which is Pantheism, which is saying that there is God in everything, whether it's plants, the cells, the atoms, the universe, the tree, the humans, the animals, the celestial stars. And we can find a contradiction with that When we're talking about justifiable answers about this God. But I want you to know that God is saying, I am real. And Jesus is saying, I am real. But they have made a statement, a truth claim, that they are the only ones that claim to be a monotheistic God. We'll see why that makes sense later on, this monotheistic God. Now, I want you to see, there are some criteria for us to believe why these statements that God is saying is true. One, we look at these truth claims. Are they factual? Are they without contradictions? We look at his, what he talks about, what God talks about, his nature and character. Is it true what he says about himself? That we, Our criteria for seeing what God is saying, who he is, who the Son of God, Jesus, is saying who he is. We need to see, are these truth claims? Can they be factual when we look at science, history, archaeology, and philosophy, and theology? Does it make sense? Is the history that God decided to give mankind, of course he didn't have to, but he told them to write a history account of things that I have said, of things that went on, so with, so people can look back at that. One of the reasons. And know how true and reliable he is. That's huge, guys. To have a history account of this God who claims some true statements. Third of all, Jesus was not only declaring he was real, that he was personal, that he was God, that sin would be swallowed up in victory by the resurrection. So we talked about three points at this point. We're going to continue talking about seven points about deconstruction. Stay with us as we come back with 1530 Apologetics. This is Joe, and I hope to see you next time.
0: That's a take. And this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com. That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com.